I wonder tonight, is anybody truly glad you've been set free? He did more than set us free. He made us free. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The difference between being set free and made free set somebody free you just let them out of jail to make somebody free you tear the jail down there's no place to be locked up again and that's what he's done for us he he made us free what a privilege to be in his presence tonight you have your bibles let's go to first corinthians the 12th chapter I will begin in chapter 12, not sure where I'll end, but that's where I'll start. Beginning verse 1, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away by those or these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Let's jump down to the very end of the chapter, verse number 31. But covet earnestly the best gift. And yet, show I unto you a more excellent way. And I want to speak to you for a little while tonight about a more excellent way. A more excellent way. Lord bless you may be seated. Before I begin, let me say what a great honor it is to be home. It's always refreshing to come home and know that there's a safe place to be at. The beauty of the house of God is this is probably the only place that you can truly come where you never have to worry about being shamed, embarrassed, or humiliated. God's never done that to his kids. This is the safest place you can get to. And what a privilege to be able to be in his presence tonight and to enjoy what he has for us. I've observed over the last several years that God's kids have a desire for spiritual things to the point that I've stood and witnessed and even been asked myself by people questions like, has God given you a word for me? I've heard that ask of other people. I've had other people tell me about the irritation they experience every time they're asked that question. And some have even said, don't they know how to pray? 
Is their relationship with God so shallow that God can't talk to them? He don't know where they live. He, he don't want to have anything. That was Corinth. That was the church that Paul's writing this epistle to. It was a church that truthfully no one wanted to brag about being part of. You, you don't find the other apostles referencing the church at Corinth. The only one who had the courage to even talk about them or talk to them was the man who took the gospel to them and considered them to be part of his life. And they irritated him on a regular basis. They challenged his apostleship. They challenged his words. They were always in some form or another being very irritant. Paul, writing to them, addresses spirituality and spiritual gifts. We let our world, and when I use that term, I'm not speaking of the world that don't know God, but the world of religious people influence us and cause us to almost forget who we truly are and start looking for things that really are not necessary. Oh, maybe that's not the correct way to say it, but Paul would say it's just not the excellent way of living life. It's not the most excellent way of living life. Actually, he's laying down conditions for all of us to understand that if you truly are going to define yourself as being spiritual and you don't have this one characteristic in your life, you're just a loud noise. Because the next verse says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Another translation says, If I speak in tongues of men and angels, but I do not have love, I am a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. The more excellent way is the way of love. But the problem with love is we have failed to understand its true dynamics. It truly takes other people to irritate you enough to figure out what love really is because you've never truly loved anybody till they tick you off. If they treat you kind and nice and they love you and make it really easy to be around them, you have no clue what love is. It's when they irritate you to the point of distraction that you have to truly discover what love is. And, and you can be as spiritual as you want to be. And you don't have that one characteristic. It's nothing but a noise. It's just a loud sound that over time becomes irritating. 
I often wonder what God thinks of us. We've got a one-year-old around our house right now. He celebrated his birthday today. And he's at that point in life when you tell him don't, he's going to do it anyway. And it doesn't matter how many don'ts you tell him, that even if the don'ts cause him to cry, he's still going to do it in spite of you don't do it this way. So you've never truly loved somebody until the don'ts don't have any effect. And then you've got to figure out how are you going to respond? What are you going to do? And Paul starts giving us a small clue of the price you're going to pay to love somebody. Because David let us know in, in one of the Psalms that the, the sacrifice of righteousness is the price you pay to do what's right. And to do what's right can be irritating. Now, I don't know about you, but my nature doesn't like the fact that Jesus told me that if my brother smites me on the right cheek, I'm supposed to turn the other. Now, as adults, we don't do those kind of things to each other. But when we were kids, we did. Not so much me and him, but the older one that sits back there, yeah, he and I are only 18 months apart. And we, we tie it on on a regular basis. And, and, and for the scripture to tell me if my brother smiting me on the right cheek, I've got to turn the other. That's just irritating. My nature don't want to do that. I, I don't know about your nature wanting to do it, but Jesus declared, if you're going to tell the world you're my disciple, the only characteristic that's going to matter the only characteristics going to identify the fact that you are truly my disciple is by your love to each other. When you start reading these things about love, there's actually ten commandments here if you want to read them. Go, go start numbering all of those and you'll count ten. And then at the end of the ten commandments, there's five absolutes. They're not possibilities. They're not maybe-sos, but they're absolutes. Love always protects. That is an absolute. Now, you and I can't use that word without lying. You're always late. Well, if I'm on time once, you can't say always. So we, we, we can't say, but love always protects. Not sometimes, not most of the time. However, don't jump to those five absolutes before you truly look at the ten things that we're required to do. Because for love to be true, then we, we have to understand that it, if I would give my body to be burned, and I don't have love, it don't matter. Now, my world is teaching me conditions that are totally contrary to the Word of God. 
See, the world that you and I live in say you really don't have to love people unless they treat you with respect. They gotta, they gotta do things to earn your love. They've gotta perform for you to love them correctly. They, they gotta do certain things that, that make them lovable, but that's not what the scripture says. See, love is not defined by what somebody does for me. Love is defined by the price I place on them or the value that I attribute to their life. See, love is based totally upon me placing a sense of worth or value on their life because that's the only way I can truly love them. Your your kids teach you that. Then your grandkids reinforce it. And it appears that your great-grandkids, they're really going to enforce it because they're way down that list. And, and it's easy to be irritated. But for me to let the world know that I'm his disciple, actually, let me just put it in a much simpler, plain term. If you don't love then no matter how much you prophesy or speak in tongues or how many gifts you have, they're worthless. Now, let's. I'm just going to look at one or two of these things tonight because if you start really digging into what this word says, you can spend months just trying to talk about the conditions that he identified. My world says, I don't have to do this. It's not important. I've shared this with you before, but I, 20 years ago, I heard a question repeatedly on a regular basis, thousands of times, and that's not an exaggeration. The question was, is this a heaven or hell issue? This repeatedly, over and over. Is this going to keep me out of heaven? I don't hear that question anymore. The question I hear on a regular basis Brother Hughes, don't you think I have a right to be happy? We're not even concerned about heaven anymore. We think we've got this right of happiness that we are entitled to, that that somehow life should produce things that that should make me happy or give me the ability to discover happiness. That's my world. I can allow that to affect me or I can choose to live my life differently. And I have to start thinking about these characteristics that set love apart and make love truly what it is. And the first one he said is that love suffereth long and is kind. Well, that's actually two. It's long-suffering and its return is kindness. Let me just give you a heads up. If you don't learn this lesson, you will repeat it until you do. Because God is going to put somebody in your life that's going to irritate you to the point that you're going to learn this lesson one way or the other. If you think you're going to skip it, 
you're in for a rude awakening because all of us are going to find people in our lives that have this ability to just keep picking at things and picking at things and, and irritating and irritating. And you got to make a choice. How are you going to return? How, well, you know, that, that they just say harsh things. So what? Doesn't matter how harsh they say or, or what their words are or how those words may affect me. Love suffereth long and is kind. That would really be a good lesson to learn in your marriage. I can promise you, you'll repeat it until you do. So it, it, it can be this irritation thing on a daily basis where you get up every morning and I remember in a wedding that I did for one of my family members that I thought I, I'm going to use this opportunity, first of all, to do group counseling and and secondly, I just want them to never forget what's going on here today. So in this wedding, I, 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 I stopped them and I, I said, I want you to turn and look at the crowd that's here today and tell me, did you invite all these people? They looked at me kind of strange. And I said, no, no, turn around. Is there anybody in that crowd that you didn't personally invite to come? Well, no. You mean there's no wedding people or no people here that, that's, that's trying to, to bust in your wedding and, and no? They're all invited guests. Okay, I just wanted to make sure you remember that. Because everybody that's here, you invited to listen to the commitment you're about to make. No one's a wedding chaser or, or, or no one's just here that, that's, that likes to just be at weddings. They saw one happening, they just showed up. They're all invited guests, correct? Yes. Okay. I want to talk to you about commitment. Do you promise to love and to cherish if you do, then say, I do. Do you promise in sickness and in health? Say, I do. You know what? I, I've never seen a wedding stop by somebody saying, wait a minute, I got to do what? <laughs> what? What are you expecting out of me? You mean, I... See, you, you stand up here with a silly grin on your face. And you make all these promises that you can't keep as soon as you walk out the door. Do you promise in prosperity and adversity? And then I stop. I said, let me define adversity. Before you say I do, adversity that you're promising today is that if she gets up every morning and kicks you in the shin, you're going to love her anyway. I'm going to get a GoPro and I'm going to put it right here and I'm going to hook it up to that screen so that, that as I say these things that irritate people, that you can see your reaction to what I'm saying. 
See, our world tells us that everybody rides off in the sunset and everybody lives happily ever after. And that's a lie. You're going to ride off in the sunset and butt heads because there's a goat in all of us. That's just a fact. You're, God put them in your life and, and, and you're in their life and, and they're going to irritate them enough that they're going to have to learn how to love you when you're irritating and, and, and they're going to irritate you to the point you're going to... Now, can I get real nosy? Why can't you do that at church? Why can't we do that with people? Why, why, why can't we love people? And, and love is what? Long-suffering. And if you don't learn that lesson with the first one, there'll be a second one that shows up, and then there'll be a third one that shows up, and there'll be a fourth one that shows up. And, and they're just going to keep showing up until I learn the lesson that I can't respond that way. See, my world says we don't have to. The proof of spirituality of how spiritual I truly am is how well I, how well I can love people that are really hard to love. Now, God's dragging right across your mind just one person after another that you're remembering that's been really hard to love. I, I could name you some tonight that, that's been really difficult to love, especially for me. Now, maybe not for you, but for me it has been. But you learn to love them anyway. You, you learn to love people that you know don't like you. Oh, you think getting the Holy Ghost and living for God, everybody's just going to, it's all going to be peaches and cream and, and you're going to have dessert every day and it's just going to be one merry day after another and it's going to be all sunshine and there's not going to be one problem that shows up. Love suffereth long. Now sometimes our nature causes us to examine these words and, and, and try to reason, okay, how long is long? <laughs> There's got to be a limit that... that, that you, you, so where's this limit at that I can get pushed past that I don't have to act like that? So our natures have an ability to wreck our lives if we let it. Now, the difference, if you noticed what Paul said, some of the things that you understand and comprehend is simply because of the fact you received the Holy Ghost. And as a result of the Holy Ghost, it empowers you to understand things that you'd have never understood without it. So the Holy Ghost is, Jesus declared, it's going to lead and guide you to all truth, remind you of what I said and teach you all things. It's, it's the Holy Ghost that's going to be, be my God if I will let it. It's going to be my reminder. It's going to be my teacher if I let it. 
Without it, I don't have the ability to do those things. With it, I can if I choose. I have been changed, and everybody in this room has been changed that has received the Holy Ghost. The change that took place is the change from being a sinner by nature to a sinner by choice. Before you received the Holy Ghost, you sinned because that was part of your nature and you couldn't do anything about it and it was because the devil made me do it. The day you're born of water and spirit, you become a new creation and you no longer have a sin nature. Now you have a choice nature and now the, the, the nature is given back to me and I've got to start making choices about how I respond to people and how I let people in my life and, and what I do and, and how I interact with those who are around me. I, I have a confession to make. At 71, two months from 72, Being kind to people is not easy. At least for task-oriented introverts, it's not. You know, I get on the freeway to come to church tonight, and, and, and this guy, I, I, he, I guess he's got to get there before everybody else, but he's in this huge truck, and he's right on my bumper. I had a good opportunity to get irritated and, and not love people. And I was reminded of what the Lord put on my heart to speak about tonight. And so I'm thinking, hmm. See, you're going to learn this lesson one way or the other. So you, you, you can get mad about what I'm saying and you can get puffed up about what I'm saying. And the instant you do, you're going to find somebody else worse than me is going to show up that's going to irritate you more than I am. Why? Because love suffereth long and is kind. The more excellent way is not what we have made it out to be, and that's to become this, this super spiritual guru that, that's got a, a, a contact from heaven and it just flows through us and out of us and, and, and people are wanting all of our wisdom and our knowledge and the more excellent way is learning how to love people that maybe don't love just like you do because everybody don't love a lot I know I'm my wife's irritant. I try not to be, but I know I am because she's Miss Personality and I'm not. <laughs> and she never meets a stranger and I do. And she can talk to anybody and I can't. <laughs> I don't mind silence. She hates it. We, we, breakfast table's got to have noise. Lunch table's got to have noise. Supper table's got to have noise. 
So you got to learn. Isn't it amazing what God sticks you with? No, it's really not because he didn't stick you with it. You made that choice yourself. Just don't blame that on God. So nobody put a gun to my head and told me to marry her. Well, I married her because she was all those things that I just described. That, that, that's not me. Love suffereth long and is kind. Love suffereth long. If you ever get that lesson learned... The next one that's going to show up is that love doesn't envy. So the moment you get this one in order, then you're going to have to start dealing with, well, why is God blessing them and not me? Why am I going through this? And, and Isn't it amazing what's in the book? That we read. See, everybody knows what this chapter's called. Everybody. It's called the love chapter. Everybody knows that Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. The world knows that Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. And we know all this stuff, but we really don't because we've never taken time to think about what it all implies. It's not just words in a book. They're directions for my life. It's not just a statement being made. There's a benefit to me being kind. Matter of fact, scientists says it'll, it's a healing agent to your body to show kindness. It, it starts causing your brain to start generating the correct hormones and, and, and the correct neurons that, that will help you to be kinder and, and get, actually it wards off depression, anxiety, panic, and all these things that people are suffering. All is the benefit of just being kind to somebody. Love suffers long. But I don't respond. See, in all of us, I, I noticed watching these grandkids grow up that my most powerful need as a human being is not for somebody to love me or pay attention to me or feed me or put clothes on me. Or My most powerful need is revenge, and I'm going to get it no matter what it costs because I've watched them do it, and they, they get revenge. I mean, they, they can snatch each other off their feet by pulling their hair because Mozzie didn't, she didn't respond severe enough. And so when given the opportunity, the other one just yanked her off her feet, slammed body. Actually, she, she did a body slam. When she went running by, she just locked her fingers in that hair, and those little feet just kept going, and she got up about 12 inches off the floor, and she slammed her. Wham! Bounced her off the floor. And I screamed. And Mozzie said, what happened? I said, well, she, you, you just banked the first one for pulling her hair and she just yanked her off her feet because you didn't do it hard enough in her eyes. Every one of you has got that problem. If you say you don't, you're lying. It's in us. It's in our nature. No one had to teach them how to do that. No one gave them instructions. They all know how to throw fits in their own way. 
None of them repeat each other. There's six versions of a fit at my house. Actually, there's more than that now. It's been added too. That doesn't include the adults, and we'll get to that in a minute. Love suffers long as kind. Love doesn't envy. Love doesn't boast. It's not doesn't vaunt itself. That means it, it doesn't boast. See when when you start loving people, then you're gonna start thinking you're being left out. And somebody's not returning to you. See, love's going to walk you through your nature and cause you to bring all of your nature in compliance. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest of all commandments? What was his response? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, how? With all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind. And in another place, he added one to it, all thy strength. Now, what, what do he say? You shall love the Lord your God. How? With what? All your heart. Hmm. Does the Bible have kind things to say about the heart? Does the Bible not say that the heart is deceitfully wicked? Who can know it? So you got to love God with the bad of your life, not just the good. And what we've learned to do is just drag our good person to the house of God and let the bad person stay at home. And we let the good come in and show off and show up and everybody knows we're here, but that part everybody else has to deal with, it's at the house and everybody lives at the house, got to deal with what you left at the house. Love suffereth long and is kind. It, it doesn't behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not its own. Is not, here's the one I've been trying to get to. Is not easily provoked. Well, that's the most comforting word in the Bible. Easily. What, what does it mean Easily. Well, easily means that there's there's a limit. So when I get pushed, then I move, and I get pushed again, and I move, and I get pushed again, and, and I, I I'm not I mean it, I didn't just do it instantly. I, I don't have a type A personality. I don't just blow up instantly. I mean it just takes me a little while to get there, and a little while to get there, and a little while to get there. See, all you extroverts blow up in a heartbeat. All of us introverts, it, dra- it drags on. It takes a long time to get us there. But there is a point when you can get us to that, boom, there it is. And you wonder, where in the world did that come from? That takes you back to number one. Love suffereth long 
and it's hateful. It's rude. It's arrogant. It's demanding. Is that what it says? Praying for those who despitefully use you is not easy to do. But I promise you, you'll learn that lesson at some point in life. That scripture is not in the Bible just to fill in space so that that the, the Bible turns out to have so many words and chapters and verses. There's a reason it's there. That's that's not a suggestion. This is what Jesus asked us to do. These are things that are important because they affect my family. And once it happens there, see, here's the problem, folks. All the junk you have at your house winds up in, in this house. Because all the problems that start there wind up here. And they, they build. I, I, I can guarantee you, traveling for the last 38 years, I, I'm, I've been a lot of places and seen a lot of things. And I used to, when the preacher would give me the option of, of renting a vehicle when I got there, I would always say, yes, I'd, I'd, I'd enjoy that. For one reason. I didn't need it to get around. I just wanted to get to church where everybody else did. And I wanted to park far enough away in the parking lot that they wouldn't notice I'm sitting there and then watch them arrive. Because you don't always come to church a happy camper. Matter of fact, the odds are one of the worst struggles you've ever had in your life happened on the way to church. Now, what I've noticed is that that two adults can pull in the driveway with their hands moving and the blood vessels on their neck bulged out and their children so embarrassed they're hiding below the windows. They won't anybody know they're in the car with this. Pull into that parking space and transformation happens in a split second. Open that door and they step out of that car and they can walk in with a smile on their face and shout and run the aisles and go pick up where they left off on the way home. You know what we've done? We've relegated church to this house. I don't have to do it at home. I don't have to do it at the neighborhood. I don't have to do it at the park. I don't have to do it at work. See, I, I, gotta, I can really irritate you tonight. When's the last time the people who work around you saw the real you show up? <laughs> and everybody knew you was present. Hello? See, our world has convinced us of some things that we've got really involved in the spiritual side and forgot that the spiritual side is connected to the physical side. And that's the humans that we have to connect with in our life. And to get to that truly spiritual relationship, 
It's never going to take place until I learn how to connect to the people that often can irritate me. And I connect correctly. Just because it says love suffers long and is kind or love is not easily provoked doesn't mean there's a limit because the literal translation of that passage of Scripture is more irritating than anything else in the Scripture because it literally translates love keeps no record of wrong. And every one of us have a record of the last time she irritated me or he irritated me and what he said or what they said. We got records. All of us. I don't care if you're extrovert or introvert. It doesn't make any difference. We all keep records of what has happened in life. And love starts over brand new every day because that's what God does with us on a daily basis. He don't bring yes he don't drag yesterday into today. He don't bring up what happened 2 days ago into today. Every day is a brand new day at God's house. And you get the opportunity of doing it over correctly the, 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 uh, every time there's a new day that shows up in my life. I have an opportunity to to do it again or I can become irritated. Verse 12, for though we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then shall I know even as all Simon know. Now by the faith, hope, and charity, the greatest of these is charity. Anybody notice I left out something really important? See, I skipped probably the most important scripture in that whole passage and it starts like this when I was a what is that doing in the love chapter does Paul have attention deficit disorder he can't stay focused and he just jumps from one subject to another subject and boom here it is he's just gonna when I was a what hmm When I was a child, I did what? I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought, I hate COVID. For no reason at all, my nose starts running. Just no reason at all. And they'll quit in just a few minutes. (laughs) But apparently God thought we needed to go through it. So I'm learning how to face things that irritate you. So I keep Kleenex in my pocket. I thought as a child, but when I what? Became a, and a better word would be adult. When I became an adult, what did I do? I did what? How how do you know if you're living in any of those categories? It's real simple. 
Anytime your survival instincts show up, you are living in that category. Anytime anger shows up, matter of fact, if anger shows up, your greatest mental capacity is six. So you're going to act like a six-year-old. It's the first emotion that you develop. You come into this world screaming at everybody in the room. And you learn that screaming at people gets your way. I, I noticed on one of the news clippings the other day that someone stuck this video of this little kid that it, it, it looks like she's just having a meltdown. I mean, she's, she's, she's just going at it. She's screaming. And, and they keep filming, and in a second, a, a, a dog walks by, and it's gone, and the smile shows on her face, and then when the dog is gone, it's about right back to the same thing she was before, just screaming. That's us. That's in our nature. That's why we struggle with issues that we don't understand where they're at and why they're here and why they're happening. Life's not complicated. God didn't make living this life so difficult no one would understand it. It is very simple. Do the right thing. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I can tell you from my traveling America, if some of the people I've seen in church wanted to tell me they'd like to introduce me to Jesus, I'd want to know what Jesus that they've been introduced to because there wasn't one ounce, of, or there wasn't one sign on in anything they did that indicated they had one ounce of joy. What about peace? If fear shows up in your life, your greatest mental capacity is 12. So if either one of those show up, you're never going to act like an adult. That's why that scripture is in the love chapter. The only time Junior's going to show up in your life is when you feel, and I, Brother Hodge, I'm not speaking about you. I'm talking about the Junior and all of us. <laughs> Yeah, I saw the reaction when I said that. When the real me shows up, I will never be an adult. I'm going to break things. See, Dennis the Menace didn't need any help terrorizing Mr. Wilson. Six-year-olds wreck the world by themselves. Twelve-year-olds are gangsters. They run in packs. They never do anything alone. So if fear shows up, you'll never address it by yourself. You're going to get somebody on your team. Anger shows up, you just tear the house up by yourself. There's a more excellent way to live life. Paul said, I, I want to reveal to you a, a more excellent way. When, when, when I learn the principles of, of love, and it's, it's the defining point 
of apostleship or discipleship or it's the defining point that, that the world should recognize that I'm following Jesus. Amen. When I get the defining point right, then all these other things start happening. When I start focusing all these other things without doing those things first, it's not going to do anything but create chaos. Living for God is not hard. It is not difficult. Living for God is the most enjoyable experience you'll ever participate in. Because there's no place you can ever go that you'll be treated better than what you are when you come to this house. When you walk through the doors, if by chance there was something happened uh, but through an error and omission and you forgot it, you didn't even remember it. When you walk in here and, and they start worshiping and, and you start getting caught into worship and you raise your hands and you start to worship, if there's something in your life that shouldn't be there, God's going to instantly trip that memory and it's going to appear before you and now he's giving you an opportunity. You need to do something about what I'm reminding you of because today you just kind of missed it a little bit. And, and, and so I... See, if you want to know if you're going to heaven, if the Lord's coming back in the next 20 seconds or three seconds, two seconds, what are you going to do to let you know you're going? It's real simple. If you can get your hands up and worship then you know your heart's okay. And if our heart's okay, then we have confidence with him. And whatsoever we ask in his name, it's going to happen. But if our heart's not okay, then he, we have all we have to do is repent. And, and that's why he does it every time we come here. If there's a mistake or a problem I've created, if I'm honest with myself and I'm listening, the Holy Ghost is going to remind you, you know, James, you probably shouldn't have said that. And you need to correct that behavior. You, there's, you were a little out of line. I'm sorry. And then I correct the problem that I created. And that's the beauty of this house. This is the safe place. And, and it's, it has to operate on love because love is the driving force that holds this thing together. Right. You see, love can, it can withstand all kinds of stuff. Love, actually can endure all kinds of persecution, all, all kinds of outside chaos. True love will, will never allow that outside stuff to affect what's in here. Right. But if I get focused on the other part and I'm going to become this really spiritual person without love, I'll tell you what I'm going to become. I'm going to become paranoid. I'm going to start thinking that everybody's against me and nobody understands me and, and all this other junk's going to start happening because the only thing to get rid of that out of my life is for me to love people correctly. Now, you may not have that problem, but this old man does. And I'm still learning that lesson. I'm learning it every day. It's not just today, it's every day. And when I mess up, I'm reminded, uh, love suffers long and is kind. Love is not easily, love keeps no records. See, all of us introverts have memories like elephants. 
Don't we remember everything, time, date, place? So I, I will remind you, you did this, 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 this on this date, and then this on this date, and this on. But love keeps no record. There's no score to settle. Please stand. Gracious Father, thank you today for your incredible word and its power to affect our lives. Lord, thank you for loving us when we weren't even lovable. By loving us when we weren't lovable, that should have been the standard set in our lives that allow us to love other people that are not lovable either because you loved us when we weren't lovable. Lord Jesus, I pray today that we as your children will listen to your word and allow your word to become the revelation of our life. It is a lamp unto our feet. It is the light unto our pathway. It is your word that is forever settled. It will not change. It's not going to be different tomorrow. It's from everlasting to everlasting. Your word cannot change. Thank you for the power of your word to affect our lives and to change our lives. Lord Jesus, I I pray today that we, as your children, would learn how to love the people you put in our lives that we need to love the most and help us to love them correctly, not manipulating, not trying to get something back or trying to get them to do something because I'm going to love them in a particular way, but learning how to love them in spite of their shortcomings, their failures, their mistakes because that's how you love us. You know my mistakes I'm going to make tomorrow, but that don't keep you from loving me today. And that's hard for my mind to comprehend that you already know the failures that will show up in my life on a daily basis, but it doesn't keep you from loving me when I'm in your presence. So Jesus, I pray today that we as your children would spend enough time in your presence that we would learn how to love like you have loved and that we would respond to people the way you have responded to us. When I come to your altar having failed and I walk away, I don't walk away feeling broken or damaged or worthless or guilt-laden. I walk away feeling like a brand new man with a brand new life and And that you love me so much that I could never truly comprehend that love. Lord, I pray that I can do the same thing to those people that you've allowed into my life. That I need to be loving the same way you love me. Help me to love my children the way you love me. Help me to love my grandchildren the way you love me. Help me to love my great-grandchildren the way you love me. Help me to love your church and your family the way you have loved me and that I don't love based upon any condition other than the fact they're the most valuable thing you ever made. And if there was only one of us that needed to be saved, you would have still came to save that one that was lost because you declared you came to seek and save the lost. So Jesus, thank you for loving all of us and coming to save all of us Thank you for your love that you had for us, that you died on a cross so that we could become like you. You became like us so you could understand us. 
But you dying on the cross allows us to become like you so we can truly understand you. And without your spirit, we can't do that. So thank you for your spirit that lives in our life that allows us to truly understand who you are and what you've done for us. Bless your people today in Jesus' name. Would you worship him tonight? Greet one another in the lovely name of Jesus. I would tell you to love the people that irritate you, but that wouldn't be a good idea. <laughs>